What's up guys, it's Arif. And this is Arsh. And welcome or welcome back to the Two Brothers in Their Sports podcast. Another incredible episode lined up for you guys. We're starting off as always by doing a recap of week 7 in the NFL season and looking ahead to week 8, which two games we're excited to. And in week 7, which two games were surprises and disappointments. We're also going to talk about Carly Lloyd retiring from soccer. Then the MLB World Series, which is two games down already. The Atlanta Braves versus the Houston Astros. And then finally, two brothers, two picks for week eight. Who we think you guys should start for week eight to help you guys get that edge in your fantasy football games this week and potentially win. So my biggest disappointment from week seven is going to be that the Chiefs actually folded against the Titans. Now, I actually predicted the Titans to win this game, but it was... They, uh, this game got so bad that, well, after Patrick Mahomes got, it was already bad, and then Patrick Mahomes got hurt, which just furthered it, and then the Chiefs absolutely had nothing going for them. Their defense, we know, is one of the worst in the league, and they, their rush, their rushing attack was not there, their passing attack also not there. If Byron Pringles, your leading, uh, has the most yards on your team and has five catches, which is the third most on your team, that, there is a problem there. No, Pringle is not. I don't think Pringle is bad. I never said Pringle's bad. I'm saying then that. Then why is it bad if he's leading? Because you have Kelsey and you have Tyreek Hill. And, and they just weren't open. And that game. you have Michael Hardman and you have Darrell Williams out and of the backfield. And they just won't. They just Exactly. Open. That's what I'm saying. And then you had. And the Titans were absolutely dominant in this game. Derrick Henry getting his usual 30 carries, 90 yards almost, threw a touchdown. And um, Ryan yeah, Tannehill. Threw a touchdown. Yeah, I know. And Ryan Tannehill was completely. Do- was incredible in this game. Um, he threw a touchdown to A.J. Brown. Julio Jones was okay. But A.J. Brown really stepped up amid his uh, stomach bug. So it was I, – I expected this to happen, but I did not expect it to happen by this much of a margin. And I'm just incredibly surprised that the Chiefs could not put up any points against the Titans' defense. Even if their defense sucks, which we knew would happen, the Titans – I mean, the Chiefs' offense could do nothing, literally do nothing the whole game. So that was my biggest surprise – and my biggest disappointment was uh also was the Panthers who lost twenty five to three. Now they were they all doubts about Sam Darnold were starting to go away, especially after how he'd been playing. And then you have him come here, miss nine throws, only attempt twenty five throws though, have only throw for one hundred twelve yards and a pick. And your rushing game's not, it's sort of the same as the Chiefs. Your rushing game is not there, and your quarterback is not playing well at all. They even had to bench Sam Darnold in the fourth quarter, put in P.J. Walker, who was not that much better. But it doesn't matter. And then you had um, you had the Giants, whose defensive presence was really – or the uh, Panthers really felt the Giants' defensive presence. So my biggest surprise was that uh, the Chiefs ended up – well, not losing, but the Chiefs ended up getting k- killed by the Titans. So they did lose. Yeah. Well, I didn't – well, I'm not just losing, I meant. And then my biggest disappointment was that the Panthers' offense was non-existent. And you had DJ Moore, who's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, only have 6 for 73. And Chubba Hubbard 6 has... for 73 is a good day. What are you talking about? I know, but then your second leading receiver is Chubba Hubbard with 4 for 28. He's leads in both receptions. He's second well, in both receptions. Name two wide receivers on the Panthers. Robbie Anderson. Three. Brandon Zilstra. Okay, those are not household names. Those are not good wide receivers. Chubba Hubbard is arguably a better wide receiver than ever. I never said Chubba Hubbard's not a good wide receiver. Again, I never said Byron Pringle's a bad player. 
What I'm we're saying not is talking about Chubba Hubbard. I'm, I'm talking about Chubba Hubbard. I'm relating it to that. I'm saying Chubba Hubbard was second in your league in catches. And second in your in the second game. Second in the game with team. Second in with the Panthers. Okay, for catches and yards with four for twenty eight. And when that's your second receiver, you know nothing's gonna work. And the Giants' defense was incredible. But so that's those just are my, not true. But how is that not true? Because Chubba Hubbard is a good receiving back, and four for four for twenty eight is good for a running back. I'm saying for the team, that's if still he's good your for second. second. That's, that's still a good. four for twenty eight is good for your second wide receiver. Yes. Really? Yes. Okay, that's fine. What are your biggest surprise and disappointment for Week Seven? Okay, my biggest surprise. Is that the Ravens lost forty-one to seventeen and gave up two hundred and one yards to Jamar Chase and two touchdowns to C.J. Ozuma? So, and they just let they just let Joe Burrow go off on them. Forty-one. I'm not. This is not made up. Forty-one to seventeen. That's just an insane number to think about. That he was able to do that well, and in addition. I mean, the Ravens just played very poor. Lamar Jackson only throwing for 257 yards, only completing 15 passes with the touchdown. And actually, they had a different quarterback come in. Uh, They had Tyler Huntley come in and play a little bit. He actually completed five passes. So, barely playing, and he still got a third of Lamar's yards. And their rushing was non-existent. Lamar Jackson led with 12 carries. Second, the out of running backs or out of any position other than Lamar Jackson, other than quarterback, like other than Lamar Jackson, their leading rusher was Devonta Freeman. With Devonta four, Freeman was their starting running back that game. Exactly, and he had four rushes for fourteen yards. Tell me that's good. Four rushes for fourteen yards. That's just atrocious. Their receiving wasn't poor. Lamar Jackson spread the ball a lot. Didn't have an interception. But their defense just needed to hold the Bengals, and their rushing was non-existent. So that's why I think that they lost this game. So nothing about the Bengals, how good they played? It's just that the Ravens did bad? No, I think that the Ravens played amazing. Joe Burrow was in the MVP conversation. Jamar Chase is playing out of his mind. Preseason drops, not even close to an issue anymore. Now, the the biggest disappointment that I had was probably going to be the Bears game, but not because of the Bears losing to the Buccaneers 38-3. to I expected something like that, but because of Justin Fields. The man threw three interceptions, did not eclipse 100, and did not eclipse 200 yards of passing. Khalil Herbert carried rushing with 18 carries for 100 yards, and their leading receiver was Cole Komet with 43 yards. Now, you can tell me that is bad. And they just did not play good defense or offense. Buccaneers defense played amazing in ESPN Fantasy. In ESPN Fantasy, if you were starting them like I was, they scored 18 points. A defense scored 18 points. That's almost as much as both of my running backs combined, Chubba Hubbard and, uh, I believe, Darrell Williams. So, their defense played great. Tom Brady didn't even pass for a lot. Only passed for 211 yards. Only completed 20 attempts. But he had four touchdowns. But he had four touchdowns. I'm getting there. Justin Fields completed more than Tom Brady, as a matter of fact. But, like I was going to say, Tom Brady had threw for four touchdowns. Fournette rushed for one. 
Ronald Jones had 63 yards rushing. Fournette had 81 yards rushing. They just played a great game without Antonio Brown in the lineup. Now the two games that I'm so who, tell me, tell me then, who is Justin Fields supposed to throw to? He don't tell me Darnell Mooney because he's unreliable, and don't tell me Allen Robinson because there's no chemistry there. Khalil Herbert, Cole Komet, Darnell Mooney. You want Allen him Robinson. one of his main receivers? It's fine, if that's like, it's, it's fine if that's like Christian McCaffrey or Austin Eckler. No, it you isn't. want one of the main receivers to be a sixth round rookie pick. Now, no, no, no offense towards the sixth round for towards Khalil Herbert, who's a sixth round pick. I'm just saying that you want a rookie uh, running back who's taking over for an injured player to be your leading receiver on your team. He led in receptions in the game, and Cole Komet, he needs he needs to pass. He has good weapons. He has Darnell Mooney. Khalil Herbert, so what if he was a six-round pick? He's playing great. Cole Komet, that's what I said. I said no disrespect Cole to the six-round pick. I'm just saying that uh, yes. like, that's a factor. So about what him. about a six-round pick? You want to talk about a six-round pick? Oh, I know who I'll talk about. Okay. The GOAT, Tom Brady. Come on now. That's not a valid point at all. That's just taking shots. Okay, at whatever. a great running back in Khalil Herbert and a great backup filling in for Damian Williams and for uh, David Montgomery. But I think that he should pass to Cole Komet, Darnell Mooney, Khalil Herbert, and Allen Robinson. That's a good wide receiver court. It's not great. It's not what the Buccaneers have at all. But you're really going to put up three points and throw three interceptions? It's Justin Fields. What do you want him to do? Better than three interceptions. Come on now. We both know that you cannot throw three interceptions. Again, yes. I know, I know, I know. you can't put up three points. Again, no disrespect to Justin Fields, but it's the Buccaneers defense. Like, they're one of the best defenses in the game, and you have a rookie quarterback who's inexperienced and just came in, who just filled in for Andy Dalton. Still needs to do better than that. That was atrocious. And I like Justin Fields. But that performance is not going to cut it in the big leagues. Okay, and what's your, okay, and what two games are you looking forward to? So the two games that I'm looking forward to are going to be number one, and some people might not agree with this with me, but I think that the Patriots Chargers is going to be a great game. Chargers trying to bounce back, um, and they have the Patriots scored I th- I believe fifty one points. Fifty four. Fifty four. Yep. Last game. That's a 50 points on any team is very good. And now they're playing a Chargers defense that is not great, but they are not bad either, and their offense is, like we know, great. So I'm really looking forward to that game, looking forward to see what's going to happen. And then the other game is going to be Cowboys versus Vikings. Now this is the defensive player of the year, front runner for this year, versus someone who should have won offensive rookie of the year. I mean, not offensive rookie of the year, just regular rookie of the year. Last year, in um, in Justin Jefferson. Now the Cowboys five and one, Vikings three and three. Dak Prescott is questionable for this game. Cooper Rush, love the guy. He's a great guy. We've met him in person, and he he's just he's. I know he's a great guy, but we want to see what he can do on the field, and if he, if he can fill in pretty well, maybe even better than Andy Dalton did. Because last year, Andy Dalton did play the Vikings. They did end up winning that game. But I can't wait to see Justin Jefferson versus Trayvon Diggs, what's going to happen there. And I hope I hope that this is going to be a real showdown and a great game. But I can't wait to see what's going to happen with Justin Jefferson, Trayvon Diggs, Cowboys defense, one of the most 
one of the defense that's getting the most turnovers, and then Adam Thielen, Kirk Cousins, what's going to happen? And then also with Dak Prescott in the explosive number one offense in the league, the Dallas Cowboys. So this is going to be a great game. Okay, the first game I'm looking forward to is the Titans versus Colts. You have two really good running backs on each side, and then with Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry, obviously. And then you have two offensives that have been rolling recently. Michael Pittman Jr. has been really playing really, really great as of late. So I think that, again, this will be a really, really good game. The Titans should end up coming out with a win, but I think it will be close. The Colts' defense has been playing better as of late. They were able to... Uh, they were last week they played they played really well actually against the 49ers and they forced many turnovers it's Jimmy Garoppolo but they still forced many turnovers and i i think that the Titans will win this game just cuz the the firepower they have their two wide receivers i think Julio Jones gets going in this game um and gets shrugs off his slump but then you have you have like the Titans and the Colts um and you have the Titans with obviously AJ Brown Derrick Henry and i think they'll run uh, or not run. I think AJ Brown will go really, really will play really, really well, and Derrick Henry will have a modest stat line, but he'll play a big role in this, obviously. And then the second game I'm looking forward to is the Steelers versus Browns. That's we the, obviously the storyline here is the uh, defense versus the two defensive players, Miles Garrett and T.J. Watt, and it, I think it's going to be the story of the defenses in this game. The Browns should be should play very well in this against the Steelers that really have been struggling. Um, Najee Harris has been sort of consistent. Deontay Johnson has proven to be a real wide receiver one. So it, I think this will be a really good game. Um, Nick Chubb is expected to come back. Kareem Hunt's obviously on IR. And Baker Mayfield also expected to come back. But I think that the Browns will come out with the win, not with their offense, but with their defense. I think their defense will force numerous turnovers um, against the Steelers, and Ben Roethlisberger will make a couple of careless mistakes, maybe a fumble or two from the Steelers' offense, but I think this story will be the Browns' defense and how they end up really carrying the Browns' offense to the win. So, Carly Lloyd is retiring, and it's been an amazing career for her, just in regular soccer plus the national women's team. She's played amazing. I remember watching the Japan finals where she had a hat trick and that great goal from all the way from midfield. And I remember the memories as when I was growing up as watching her play amazing soccer for the women's team, leading them to multiple championships and World Cups. So she has played great soccer ever since she came in. And I wish her luck on her retirement, but I'm really sad to see her go, but also happy because now she can move on to the second chapter of her life. I agree. I We also, both of us, watched that game of when Carly Lloyd absolutely tore up Japan um, in that World Cup. And she actually won two Cups, two World Cups with the U.S. Women's National Team. She played her last international match probably about, I don't know, two or three days ago. So she... She has really, really been an incredible player for the U.S. Women's National Team to have. Very fortunate to have her represent our country. She averaged a goal every 2.3, around every 2.36 games. So around like two and a half, every that's two and a half games. That's amazing. She had a, exactly, that's what I'm saying. She had a goal every two and a half games. So that, that the impact she had on the U.S. Women's National Team is undeniable. 
She also played for the New Jersey or New York Gotham FC. Or so she has. It's it's like you were saying. It's really sad to see her go as a United States uh, citizen. It's really sad to see her um, go as like a player that represents this country, especially with the like we were saying the grand impact she's had on the U.S. women's national team. I personally, as when the first World Cup against Japan. That's the first World Cup I actually watched for women's national team. And that immediately, it was immediately apparent how good Carly Lloyd was. She really, she carried that team. She had that goal from half field uh, uh, over the Japan keeper. So she is, uh, has been incredibly, incredibly dominant. It's undeniable. Um, you cannot deny the stats. And her, she, I, I can't even describe how good she's been. She's had... Um, She's also represented the, um, she's one of the best soccer players of all time. That's not even close. Um, and her stat line just is crazy. That, and with, with all the great players, obviously, you can't attribute to sex, success to one player. But in total, like all the players they've had on U.S. Women's National Team, Megan Rapinoe, Alex Morgan, uh, uh, Heath, and then you have uh, Carly Lloyd. You have all these great players. Ertz. Yeah, Julie Ertz. All together. You see the impact that they really have on and this team. And she's been one of the most... She's had some of the most longevity... She's had a lot of longevity in her career, which is also a great impact. And she's just played amazing ever since she entered, like I was saying earlier. With Carly... And with Carly Lloyd in the lineup, they've been 257, 38, and 17. So 257 wins, 38 losses only, and 17 draws. You cannot de- you cannot deny that record. That it the impact she has is undeniable. It's really sad to see her go, but again, we're grateful she played for the U.S. Women's National Team, and the, and uh, to see we're really excited to see what she does in the next chapter of her life. Two games down in the World Series, it's tied one to one. The Atlanta Braves and the Houston Astros, and I think the biggest thing to highlight here is two injuries to the Atlanta Braves. One of them happened this past week. One of them had already happened. The first one, which already happened, Ronald Acuna, which who tore his right ACL, underwent surgery, and obviously is out for this series. It's it's a huge loss. It's a huge blow for the Braves. Personally, I believe they would win the series in five games if they had Ronald Acuna. The second is Charlie Morton, who broke his leg and stayed in the game and then actually had to be taken out because obviously he's broke his leg. And he that's another big I- impact for them. And in game one, he had two innings, uh, three strikeouts, no earned runs. He, uh, we know the great pitcher he is. And personally, well, let's let's focus on the Braves hitting because I think that's really what's been setting them apart thus far in the playoffs. So the Braves hitting, they've had, uh, what's his name, Jorge Soler, who's been out playing incredible out of his mind uh, at the one at one of the top spots in the lineup. He he had two RBIs, two hits. And a run drove in, and a run, and then Freddie Freeman. We know the great player he is, who won MVP a couple years ago. And you have all their other great players: Eddie Rosario, Austin Riley, uh, Trent, uh, Travis Darnall, Darnall. So you have all these great players. And then the Astros. This I think the biggest problem with the Astros is that they're inconsistent. Jose Altuve five at bats in game one, nothing, nothing to show for it. You have Michael Brantley. Five at-bats, he actually played well. Three hits. Bregman, four at-bats, nothing. Uh, Yandy Alvarez did okay. Carlos Correa, three at-bats, nothing. No hits. So, it's... I, I, it's 
the, the Astros are incredibly inconsistent. Game two, you see when they turn it on, it's not even close. When the Astros are on their game, not close. Jorge Altuve in game two, five for two, or five at-bats and two hits. Alex Bregman, still nothing. He's blanking the stat sheet. I think he'll get turned on sooner or later. He has to. Uh, Carlos Correa, four at-bats, one hit. So basically, the Astros pitching we know is good. It's a matter of if their hitting is consistent. And I think, personally, if I had to predict the game, the uh, series thus far, I have Astros in six. That's what I'm saying. Astros in six. Okay, I disagree with you. I think that it's actually going to be the Braves in six. And I believe the series, as of right now, is tied 1-1, one one, a game tonight. So I think that the Braves will win this game. The Astros will get one more game, but I still believe that the Braves will be able to win the series, win the World Series for the first time in a very, very long time. So I can't wait to see what's going to happen. That's my prediction. I think that the Astros just aren't good enough anymore. And we remember when they lost in the World Series, and I know some people don't like bringing this up, but that was when they were cheating and I just believe that they aren't good enough anymore like they were then when they had a bunch of really good players. George Springer, They one still of them. have all those good players. It's just George Springer and Justin Verlander's out. Exactly. And I believe that Garrett Cole, George Springer, and uh, Justin Verlander would all be needed if they want to win the World Series, which is why I don't think that they're going to be doing it. I think it's going to be the Braves. But I think it will be pretty close. Like I said, Braves and six. So you don't think that Jose Altuve... Carlos Correa, Bregman, and uh, uh, Jordan Alvarez can... Gurriel. No, Jordan Alvarez. I know Gurriel is also a big player as well. But yeah, I know... I, you, I, you think they can't compete against the Braves? I think they can complete, compete, but I think that they won't win. Okay, so, if in Game 3, it's 1-1. Who has who's winning Game Three and who's winning any of the who's winning the games beyond? Like what's the what's the order? I said that no. What's game, the order? I said that the Braves would win Game Three. I think they will win Game Four as well, taking a three-one lead. Astros won't go out that easily. Uh, winning Game Five, and then Braves will finish it off winning Game Six. I think the Astros are going to win tonight, so it's going to be two-one. Then then the Braves are going to win. It's going to be two-two, and then the Astros carry it out with two more wins. And that's going to be the end of the Braves season. And the Astros will win again. As much as a Yankees fan hates to say that the Astros will win, you cannot deny the talent, the pitching. It's just the inconsistency that's a problem. If you have that inconsistency fixed, which mainly means your players come out of a slump, like Bregman, Altuve shrugged off one uh, last game. If they come out of a slump and they start being consistent, that's the main issue. If they're consistent, no chance for the Braves whatsoever, especially without Charlie Morton and without Ronald Acuna. So my first pick is going to be Teddy Bridgewater. He is only rostered in 27.7% of fantasy leagues. He has gotten 21.22 points and 20.46 points, playing the worst defense this league this week in the Washington football team. I believe he's going to explode and play very, very well. I think that his boom, his boom for this week is supposed to be 24.3 points. I believe he will score around that or even more. And I think that's going to be a great pick for you, projected 19.2, but I think he's going to get 23-point range. So I believe he's going to do very good. And my second pick is Kadarius Toney. He is has dropped in fancy ownership by a lot, from like a, about like 80%. 
to now only 56.5% of fantasy leagues. You should definitely pick this guy up. The last time he played was against the Dallas Cowboys. He played a little bit in the Rams game, but mostly against the Dallas Cowboys. 189 yards. Very lucky that he did not have a touchdown. He still got 20, He got still got 30 points. Imagine if he had touchdown or multiple touchdowns. He would have done amazing. So I believe he is a must pick up. And Darius Slayton and Evan Ingram uh, Shepard, none of those guys are going to be the guy. I believe the guy to start is Kadarius Tony. Some of those guys are injured, but Kadarius Tony is going to do the best out of anyone, I believe, out of any wide receiver that you would probably be able to pick up off of the free agent market. Okay, my first pick this week is going to be Kenneth Gainwell. Miles Sanders officially ruled out, expected to go on the IR, and Kenneth Gainwell is projected this week 12.5 points. Last week, well, he's mainly known for a receiving back. In week four against Kansas City, one of the worst defenses, six catches, eight targets, 20.9 points. Last week, 14.1 points filling in for Miles Sanders. Boston Scott had more carries, but he was less productive. And then, my, uh, not Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell had most of the receiving production. I think that my, uh, Kenneth Gainwell is the safer pick as opposed to Boston Scott. But also, when you have that receiving upside and the explosive run potential that Kenneth Gainwell possesses, that's a recipe for success. In addition, they play the Lions. The Lions' run defense has been incredibly disastrous. So that's an incredible recipe for success, especially in garbage time. If they're up, which the Eagles should be up. If the Eagles are not up, then that's just sad for the Eagles and Jalen Hurts. And if the Eagles aren't up, then they'll just be passing too. Yeah, which, again, Kenneth Gainwell. So that that's a great point. And then my second pick is Cole Beasley. I get you have Stefan Diggs. I get you have Emmanuel Sanders. But those two are covered, are going to be shadowed by Xavier Howard and Byron Jones, who, granted, the Dolphins secondary has been extremely bad. And you have Xavier Howard and Byron Jones are both not what they were the last one to two years. And um, Nick Needham is covering Cole Beasley. Um, and last, or before the bye, not last week, because they had their bye, but two weeks ago, seven receptions on nine targets for 88 yards and a touchdown. And he has incredible boomer bust potential, but playing a really bad Dolphin secondary and two pretty, two really good corners covering the two, the top two guys, not this year, but they, they are top, they are really, really good corners. So if those guys are covering the top two receivers, Cole Beasley, the slot man, is going to go inc- be incredible. I expect him to have probably around 13, 14 points, which is a solid floor for your flex. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Two Brothers and Their Sports Podcast. Enjoy the rest of your day, and we'll catch you guys next week on the Two Brothers and Their Sports Podcast. Okay.